fire rescue, EMS, law enforcement. These are the three components of public safety, and those who answer the call are the first responders. Welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force with your host, Steve Green. Five Alarm Task Force presents some of the best instructors, leaders, and mentors in public safety today to educate, elucidate, and entertain. No topic is out of bounds, and every opinion has value. Five Alarm Task Force is brought to you by Insight Fire Training, LLC, your best bet for fire service thermal imaging camera training, and by the Firehouse Tribune, where you can expand your horizons in emergency services and learn to work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. And our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, LifeScan Wellness Centers, Saving the Lives of America's Heroes, Nesta Bars, the amazing new hand tool for the fire service, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, fighting to extinguish firefighter cancer since 2004, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. Remember, our ultimate goal is for you to be safe and return home after every call. So insert those earphones or turn up those speakers. The Five Alarm Task Force is being dispatched right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force. I'm your host, Steve Green. Very happy to be here and very happy to have you joining us today. My guest today will be a friend of the show, a great supporter of the show, a gentleman I've had the pleasure to meet only once but speak to several times, and that is Captain John Dixon, also known as Instructor John Dixon. And this uh, today we're going to be talking about a strategic vision plan for your department. You can be a career department, you can be a volunteer department, you can be a combo. But by having a strategic vision plan for you, you have a go- you have goals that you want to meet and you do so by working together. So we'll have John with us in just a few moments. If you are looking for previous episodes of our podcast, Five Alarm Task Force, you can visit our website at www dot dalmatian productions dot tv and just click on the podcast across the top bar of the home screen and you'll be able to go to our library and see more than our 150 episodes that we've recorded over the past more than three years while you're on our website and visiting there please stop at the home page and there you can sign up for our newsletter we don't send spam it only goes out about five or six times a year And we will protect, to the best of our ability, your email address. We don't sell them. We don't give them away under any reasons. And there, you will keep abreast of what's happening with the show and Dalmatian Productions and anything else great news that's coming up. If you follow us on Facebook, we hope that you will like us. Our pages on Facebook are forward slash Dalmatprod or forward slash Dalmatprodfire. And... The last couple of weeks, I've been making a stronger effort to be there more frequently, and I've been reading your comments and so many of your likes, so thank you. Thank you very much. We deeply appreciate it. It means a great deal to me to have all of you following us as you do. And speaking of following us and liking us, a lot of you listen to us on various podcast platforms. We're on all the big and popular podcast platforms, but almost every one of them have the, give you the ability to leave a review. And you can put a number of stars in or a type in a little review. 
And it's very important for us and future listeners to our show that you give us a good review. And we hope you will give us a review. But also, please don't be uh, hesitant in giving constructive criticism as well. And if you don't want to do it on the review, you can always email it to us at dalmatprod at outlook.com, or you can leave a message on our website for us. And we'll be sure to look at that and read that over, and we'll get back to you on that. But these good reviews and five stars or four stars ratings are important because not only does it lift us up as the way the podcast platform looks at us, but it also makes it easier with the more positive reviews for others who are looking for us to find us more quickly when they search for Five Alum Task Force. And we hope you'll help us out with that. If you really do enjoy the podcast and want to help a wonderful charity at the same time, this is really our only business pitch, and that is we hope you'd visit our online store at bit.ly forward slash Store. And we have several T-shirts available with different verbiage on the back of it and a couple of different mugs. You can choose the color of the mugs and choose the color of the T-shirts. But most importantly, not only will you get a little memento from the podcast, but a significant portion of the net proceeds are donated to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. And as I am recording this promo for the show, it is Wednesday, 9-11. So... It is very important to us this week with the podcast I'm recording with Captain Dixon that if you could donate and buy one T-shirt or one mug and know that that, those proceeds are going to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. If you don't know what that foundation is, they're located in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and then the number one charity for allows us to take care of the families of the firefighters who have paid the ultimate price and made the ultimate sacrifice in giving their lives to protect others. And so when they're gone, their families need help. Sure, the local department helps out, but the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation is there to support them, the surviving spouses, surviving family members, children. They have camps during the summer for the children and activities during the year. So this is a very, very important and worthwhile foundation. And so as we mark this 18th anniversary of 9-11, we hope that you will help us in this endeavor. Finally, I would like to welcome a new promotional partner, LifeScan Wellness Centers. They are saving the lives of America's heroes all across the country. And you've heard about them on the show from our good friend, Todd LaDuke, who was a former assistant uh, chief here at Broward County Fire Rescue Services and has now become the chief strategy officer for LifeScan. And they are an amazing group of medical professionals dedicated to helping, especially firefighters and other first responders, get ahead on the medical curve by having their scans and their blood tests that they do. They look ahead for you and see what might be there what could be um, taken care of right away to prevent any long-term problems. They're great people, very dedicated. And just a couple of weeks ago, we did a another podcast with Todd that I hope you'll go back and listen to all about LifeScan Wellness Centers. And I'm proud 
to call them a promotional partner and welcome them to Five Alum Task Force. And that's it, folks. We'll be right back with Captain John Dixon right after these words. Please stay tuned. New technology for the fire service seems to appear almost every day, and that technology demands a learning curve, especially if we're talking about thermal imaging cameras. That's where Insight Fire Training LLC is your best bet. With an excellent reputation across the U.S., Insight Fire Training will meet all your TIC training needs. Their curriculum is peer-reviewed and has been used internationally. Their instructors are Level 1 Thermography Certified, and they have taught in 33 states and 4 countries. Their courses run from introductory to training the trainers. Courses are available online, for the classroom, classroom hybrid, and even live fire. Insight Training LLC is proficient in over 40 thermal imaging cameras, so you feel confident they will know your make and model. Best of all, programs are customized to your specific needs, and their cadre of fire service veterans are vetted craftsmen of Project Kill the Flashover. They are so proficient that they have trained tick manufacturers on how to best use and sell their own product. That's Insight Fire Training, LLC. Look them up on InsightTrainingLLC.com, your best bet for tick training. Would you like to meet up with Andy and the team from Insight Training? Well, 2019 will be the year to do it. Here's some of their upcoming schedule. September 17th, online webinar, Hoarding Firefighter Tactics, with special guest, Lieutenant Ryan Pennington. Check Facebook for details. September 25th, New York State Professional Firefighters Help, Syracuse, New York. September 27th, the ISFSI Conference, achieving buy-in with thermal imaging camera. October 6th to 12th, Fire House Expo, Nashville, Tennessee. Two hot classes on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday by instructor Andy Starnes and instructor Thomas Anderson. October 24th, Insight Training Webinar Series continues online. October 28th to 31st, Train the Trainer with the Charleston, West Virginia Fire Department. And November 5th, Classroom Hybrid, eight hours of tactical thermal imaging training, Lansing, Michigan. Be sure to check their Facebook page for more details. Insight Training, LLC. Your best bet for tick training. The Firehouse Tribune, where inspiration was forged by those who came before us, opening the doors for us to build a path, a path to share our mission with the rest of the emergency service world. With a small, tight-knit team of first responders dedicated to sharing experiences and knowledge, we constantly strive to provide our followers with thought-provoking content from all aspects of emergency services and life. Our contributors speak at top fire and EMS conferences in the country. They have been guests on numerous fire service podcasts and will even come and speak at your firehouse or event. Interested? Visit their website, www.thefirehousetribune.com and find them on Facebook using The Firehouse Tribune and on Twitter at FH Tribune and on Instagram, FH Tribune. We live by one motto, not just in emergency services, but in life as well. Excellence is a habit, not a goal. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. Welcome to Chief Miller. Chief Miller operates the largest social media page dedicated to the men and women of the fire service from around the world. 
Check him out on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller. And check out the website where you can find Chief Miller Apparel at ChiefMillerApparel.com. Hello and welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force. I'm your host, Steve Green. I need to begin by explaining that we had a little technical glitch when we recorded the interview the other day. We had broadcast it live on Facebook and recording it on the computer, but there was a glitch with the computer, so I'm going to redo the intro for my guest, uh, Captain John Dixon, and we'll move right into the interview with him. John is a career firefighter with with an urban fire department in New Jersey and has over 20 years of service with the fire service. He has earned his fire officer credentials from the Center for Public Safety Excellence and is a National Fire Academy alumni. John has a passion for training, mentoring, and inspiring up-and-coming officers and firefighters. He has served as an instructor with the Bergen County Fire Academy, a member of Project Kill the Flashover, and currently serves as the New Jersey State Lead Advocate for the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. He believes that his time as a U.S. Marine ingrained several fundamental fire service principles, discipline, education, and servant leadership. He is passionate about helping others in seeking continuous improvement through providing cutting-edge training and education. John's definition of success is seeing those that he has trained, mentored, and inspired become great leaders themselves. It is his desire that these leaders inspire other firefighters to do the very same, thus having a positive ripple effect on the fire service. John has presented at international national and regional conferences, such as the International Fire Rescue Training Academy in Germany, Firehouse Expo, Firehouse World, the South Atlantic Fire Rescue Expo, the Great Florida Fire School, Ohio Fire Fire and EMS Expo, FDIC, the Center for Public Safety Excellence Conference, South Carolina Fire Rescue Conferences, just to name a few. John, it's a pleasure to welcome you back to the show, and it's great to have you with me once again. Help share my passion with the American Fire Service and internationally, I hear. So congratulations and kudos to you as well. Uh, thank you. Uh, we've, we've been very lucky to uh, see our audience grow uh, over the three years, just now over three years now that we're doing the show. And I'm very pleased with the response that we get and the number of accesses that we get. And um, I think it really is it's because of the fact of the caliber of guests that I bring on the show. Uh, I've been very lucky. I cold, I, I cold called most of them, <laughs> whether a DM on Twitter or uh, on Instagram or Facebook. I just said, this is who I am. I want to do a show about the fire service for the fire service. And I'd like you to be a guest. And I'd say 99% of them have agreed. And we've had some great shows. We've had some fun shows. We've had some very serious shows. And we've had very informative shows and instructional shows. And that was the whole goal of the purpose of the podcast, is to bring some of the best leaders in the fire service uh, on and to share their knowledge, their wisdom, and their experience with other firefighters. Initially, I just looked at, I was hoping to get maybe 20, 30 across the country. I was going to be a happy fella. But uh, now that we have listeners in over 40 countries, it's beyond anything I could have hoped for. And it's because of people like you, John, who dedicate themselves. Uh, We're both educators. We both actually share the same goal, is not just to teach the students that we teach, but but we hope that those students will pass on what they've learned to those coming up behind them and pass it forward. 
that's the way we're going to really improve our fire service. And uh, no matter whether you're career or volunteer, we create together a very professional fire service to protect the men and women in the communities of, of America and for those of you listening internationally, for your countries as well. Today, John has uh, picked a great topic, um, and it's something that is very important because over the last couple of months, if you've listened just before we took the break, the summer break, we talked a couple of issues about problems with in the volunteer fire service and some of the problems we're finding in the in our response on to emergencies on active roadways. And we have a show coming up in the late fall talking about the framework of today's volunteer fire departments and maybe that framework that good old Ben Franklin started in Philadelphia over 200 years ago just might not be what's going to work for us today. So John's topic today is setting a strategic vision plan for your department. So John, why don't you start us off with that, please? And let's go from there and and let our listeners hear the concept of a strategic plan. It's not just telling you the schedule for next week's duty, duty roster. Oh, of course not. Okay. So there's a lot of information when you're dealing with a strategic vision plan. And one of the things that I pride myself on is I have a personal mission and vision plan, and that carries over to an organization. Because if you don't know how you're going to do something and you don't know where you want to be in one year's time, three years time, et cetera, how do you build a plan to get there? And the emergency delivery service model of the American Fire Service is, for better or worse, and and dare I say this word, I don't want to trigger anybody, it's changing. It's changing. And how are we going to keep up with the rising demand for manpower, training, education, and uh, most of all, the passion that it takes to to serve in these roles. Right. So I I cannot take credit for the information I'm go, I'm about to give you now because it was published by the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation in uh, in 2017, and it's called a Strategic Vision Guide, and it's an action plan using the 16 firefighter life safety initiatives. It was uh, published in November of 2017, and of course, I'm I'm very proud to be an advocate for the NFFF. And uh, this is where this information is coming from. And uh, overall, in a nutshell, it outlines a playbook, if you will, for a fire chief or an executive fire officer in, in a fire department to evaluate how they are delivering their service using the 16 life safety initiatives. And hopefully your listeners have heard of the 16 life safety initiatives. But if not, here's a brief overview. Back in 2004, uh, all the talking heads and uh, people who were much smarter than me got together in Tampa, Florida, and they called it the Tampa Summit. And their original mission was to reduce line of duty death uh, injuries and uh, obviously deaths by 50 percent in 10 years. So all of these like minded individuals and, and very smart individuals got together in this conference center. And uh, the 16 life safety initiatives were the brainchild. It was it was the the work that they published. Um, you can learn more about them at uh, everyonegoeshome.com, and uh, they each have it, their own web page and their own resources. So if you have heard about them, great. If not, I highly encourage you to please uh, to research them and uh, 
go back to the strategic vision guide and it, it'll help you make heads or tails of, of why they're guiding organizations in, in the manner in which they're doing it. So with it, with that said, some of the, some of the bones, if you will, of the SVP, the strategic vision guide is, uh, it's, you have to create it, right? It's not an SOP, right? Firefighters, historically, we like to just be told exactly how something should be done, tweak it, and then do it, right? right. So that's where the word vision comes into play. And you, you, have, to, you have to build it, right? And uh, you have to initiate it, create it, and then finally execute it, and then monitor, monitor it. It's almost what's called the API process. Analyze, plan, implement, and evaluate. You're just doing it on a larger scale. So some of the bones in this is th there's a couple different phases. In initiating the strategic vision plan, there's a couple of things it tells you. It has to be imaginable, desirable, feasible, focused. One of the things that we did in my fire department in Teaneck, New Jersey, was it had to be wanted. Right? Nobody, nobody just wants to change for the sake of change. And I personally don't like using the word change because it is a dirty word in a fire service. Right, I, sure I like is. to use the word improve because who doesn't like to improve, right? right? So if you come to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to change your station shirt to pink, of course, people are going to be apprehensive about that or, or lime green. But uh, if, if we come at you and say, hey, we're going to improve the visibility of our, of our firefighters working on roadways and we're going to ask and mandate that you wear safety vests, not that that's going to keep you quote unquote safe, but it does make you more visible, which right. is a tool towards safety, right? So it's all about the perspective and how you look at it, but it actually has to be wanted. So we had some unexpected changes in my department and I'm only going to talk about what happened in, in, in my organization because we're still going through it. We'll st we're still uh, realizing some of the challenges and we're still uh, currently working through some of them. But in my department, we had a change of command at the chief level, and it was unexpected um, to the point where it wasn't the individual that it was supposed to be. We knew that the chief was retiring, and of course, uh, in the northeast part of, of uh, the country, and for New Jersey for that matter, uh, we don't hire outside fire chiefs or officers. They all come from within. So we knew who we were getting in a chain of command and a table of organization. Um, somehow that changed at the 11th hour. So now you have a brand new fire chief who wasn't even expecting to be a fire chief in an organization that was experiencing some growing pains and uh, a high turnover. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, as what we say, hitting the button, tapping out, if you will, uh, getting ready to retire. And uh, we've started to feel that pinch over the last 18 months and it's going to continue for the next 18 months. But um, when I got promoted to captain from lieutenant about two years ago, one of the things that challenged me and, and really irked me was we really didn't have a vision plan. You know, we just kind of showed up for work and did what we normally do. And we did the mandatory trainings and, and we, you know, we held hot trainings and all these different things. But where are we going? I know that I work best with having some type of a vision and a plan. And I understand that plans can change all the time, but just having a plan is, is to me, half the battle. So I printed out this uh, strategic vision plan 
and I gave it to my my uh, my acting fire chief, with whom I have a very great working relationship with, a lot of trust there. And I said, uh, "Hey, chief, look, man, congratulations. Uh, I think maybe you should read this document. It'll it'll help us along." And uh, he said, "Okay, great, John, do it." And I said, "No, I don't think you understand. I think you really need to sit down and read this document." before you agree to implement it because it's going to rock the boat. It's, it's going to cause us to take an intrinsic look at how we deliver the service to our citizens. And of course, it's just, a, again, the human element, which I'll talk about later. Uh, nobody likes to look inward. Right. It's, unco- it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the, the nexus, the, the, uh, the genesis of, of why we decided to do the vision statement. Uh, the vision plan. And of course, it's built on communication. There's there's a lot of surveys and timing tools. So there's a brief overview. You know, step one is you have to create the urgency. And what I said before about the, the organization has to want the change. Um, I urge and encourage everyone listening that is in a fire department to ask 10 firefighters of, of different ranks, doesn't matter, if they want change. I guarantee you it'll probably one out of 10 people will say, sure, nobody wants change. But how do you create that sense of urgency? Well, it's going to it's going to be created for you. You just don't realize it. It's almost like another topic that's near and dear to my heart titled the normalization of deviance. (laughs) You don't you don't realize that you're in a complacent state of mind. So creating the urgency is, uh, you know, have you seen a lot of minor injuries? Have you seen a lot of deviation from? Uh, organizational SOPs and, and training and communication is is the huge the huge component here. Uh, and then how do you recruit the members? Right, it's just like any other committee. You know, form a committee, recruit some members, and then you're going to do a SWOT analysis. You know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats um, about whatever it is that your organization is facing. For us, we were looking at some capital some capital improvements. We we're looking at apparatus purchases. We we're looking at fire station placement. It's, um, you know, it's all encompassing. It's not just strategy and tactics. It's also about uh, professional fire officer development, firefighter development, even union challenges for those that are in the, in the union house, you know. And then again, finally, it's about the stakeholders. Ultimately, from step one to step four in the strategic vision planning, at every step you need to communicate with the department. They are the internal stakeholders. Then the external stakeholders are the citizens that we swore an oath to protect. Right. And, um, you know, one of the steps for us moving forward is to is to get some of the external stakeholders to meet with us and see if our vision of what we would like to do as an organization is in alignment of what their expectations are. So that's 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 a brief overview of what the strategic vision plan has done for us. You know, it's it's interesting because, as you mentioned, oftentimes the word change is the dirty word in the fire service. And I was I was lucky enough when you taught at the Great Florida Fire School last uh, in 2017, and you did your your program on, presentation on the normalization of deviance. And listening to that opening, it it really is true that for whatever reason, and there are people who you know I remember even when Bobby Halton was kind enough to be my guest, and we talked about change in the fire service. And I said that we seem to be very reluctant to make change. And he said, well, it's not that we're reluctant to make change just per se, but we want to know what that change is going to be about. 
and, and what it entails and what it what it means. And we we kind of tossed back and forth when the first SCBAs came out and the guys who said, I'll never put one of those over my shoulder, not on your back yet because the first ones didn't go over your back. <laughs> that, that's how old I am. Uh, we kidded about that yesterday on the phone call. But the first SCBAs, and there was a lot of reluctance to do it. And then when they, the, the ones on the back brace came through, all right, they started going with it. We went from pull-up boots to bunker bunker gear. Why do I need bunker gear? I, I was fighting fire just fine without it. What difference is this going to make? Mm-hmm. And as we've progressed each step, what we've actually seen, those of us who, whether you have a short term of maybe only a few years experience or you have a lot of years like you have and past years like I have, is that each of those changes truthfully have been an improvement to the fire service. But I think, like you just said, if we keep using the word change, people become gun shy. But if we plan an idea to make something better, to improve a situation, to improve a methodology, to improve a way to cut the, both the AB posts even more quickly than we do now on a bad accident and safely, nobody's going to have any resistance to that because, oh, yeah, I want to do this better. I want to be a, a better fire. I want to be a better firefighter. I want to be a better person. I want to be better this or that. And so if we can change our culture and stop saying change this, change that, and use the idea of let's set a goal to improve this methodology. We're going to learn a new way to do ropes because at the school that I went to, this guy showed better way and a faster way for us to tie good knots that are going to hold, especially our heavy equipment. You've got to raise an axe there. You've got to raise something else heavier. It'll be safer for both the person pulling it up from the ground, uh, from on the roof and the person on the top feeding it. And that's what we need to do. And that's what I think you've started discussing is this concept of instead of change, how do we improve ourselves and what we do? And sometimes, as you just said, it's forced upon you. You guys didn't plan this. It just, there it was. But most of us have the opportunity to plan improvement if we want to think about it with the open mind of improvement and not just let's make a sweeping change in how this place works. Well, we're very good at the what ifs, right? Right. We're, we're, what if what if this room flashes over? What if the the roof collapse? And we and we plan and we plan and we plan. Doesn't always necessarily go according to our plan, but we like to have a plan. It's just the nature of our industry. But if you talk to a lot of firefighters out there, if you ask them if their fire department has a vision plan, the the most likely given answer is, well, I don't know. So. Good point. You know, if people don't know what it is, then that's then that's great. That's an education challenge. If people know what it is and then don't understand why it's vital for any organization, not just a fire service, it's vital because again, how are we going to improve our service delivery? If if uh, you know the big buzzword out there, it's it's and I'm doing the air quotes. If you're not watching the the feed, is for them, right? It's always been about them. And I don't understand where all of this negativity has come, where it's it's uh, been reversed about us. And I understand, the, you know, the the safety messages that are out there that get 
misconstru- misconstrued really. Uh, it's because it's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of communication. Um, as a captain, I often, you know, my job is to look out for the safety of my crew. That's right. my job. Sure. You know, uh, yes, the citizens come first. That's what I swore an oath to do. But my job is to keep my crew safe so we can all go home in the morning. And and that logo and that catchphrase of everyone goes home, it's all encompassing. It doesn't mean that everybody does go home. And unfortunately, because of obviously what happened, you know, yesterday, 18 years ago, we know not everybody goes home and firefighters will continue to make the supreme sacrifice. It doesn't mean that we can't manage and mitigate risk to the best of our ability. And again, how are you going to do that? And it's a heavy lift. So getting back to the strategic vision plan, having that plan, utilizing the 16 life safety initiatives, it just, it just helps us. And it's not going to work for every organization. And surely you don't need to use all 16 of them. And that's where the intrinsic value comes from. Some departments and organizations are very good at specific things. Um, you know, it's like a Mad Lib, you know, for the older <laughs> firefighters listening to the show, um, showing my age now, brother, uh, brother Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like a NIOSH report. There you go, a NIOSH report. There you go. You know, you, you could essentially remove the name of any fire department and enter your fire department name, and you can see a lot of similarities to, hey, that could happen here. So how do we combat that? And I saw the writing on the wall, if you will, in, in my organization that we were starting to head down a path uh, that was, in my opinion, just way too complacent. And I wanted to do something about it. And the first thing is, you know, is recognizing it. Right. And and we did. And, and I give my fire chief, my current fire chief, a, a boatload of credit because it took political capital, um, some of which he hasn't even developed yet because he's a brand new fire chief. And... Um, he, he really took the bull by the horns and uh, he implemented strategic vision plan. So, of course, in, in any good fire department or any fire department for that matter, when you come with an idea to the fire chief, what do you think happened? Hey, chief, I have a great idea. Hey, cat, that's great. You're in charge. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, of course, you know, I was just bringing it to him to say, hey, you know, might want to take a look at this. And, and within the next two weeks, now I'm putting together a committee and agendas and, and we're doing things. And, uh, of course... Nobody likes committee meetings. It's there. They could be boring. You, you know, you talk about a lot of the same things over and over again. Right. Uh, so I took great caution to to keep that from happening. And uh, the the guidebook, the strategic vision guidebook, uh, really highlights how to hold a, a productive a productive meeting. So some of the things, just to let the cat out of the bag, some of the things that our organization has performed a SWOT analysis on is actually apparatus purchasing. Uh, we were going to buy two brand new engines. And again, we, we were going to do just what we've always done and just buy two more engines without realizing that our rescue truck was sitting in our headquarters out of service 98% of the times because of a, a lack of manpower, because they weren't uh, replacing uh, the retirements through attrition. And this was over a period of eight to 10 years so we would cross staff the engine and the ladder and the um, the rescue out of our headquarters, and it was taking way too long, in my opinion, to get on scene with with a rescue truck. So how can you streamline some of that? Well, ultimately, we got rid of our rescue truck, and now we're buying squads instead of an engine, 
and then in five years having to buy a new rescue. So, you know, in, in, a, in a dirty word of consolidation, um, we're not consolidating our, our manpower, we're consolidating our resources, our material resources. And, you know, we're, we, you know, they're currently on order and, 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 and they got a lot more people involved with the apparatus committee. I could tell you that. And, you know, we walked around the rescue and we asked everybody to pick one piece of equipment that you would not want to part with on this rescue truck. And there wasn't one duplication of a piece of equipment. Hmm. So we, we have a hundred person, you know, fire department. There was a hundred different pieces of, of equipment on the apparatus floor, you know, over the course of four or five shifts that uh, people walked around and said, oh, I can't part with this. You know, one firefighter picked the animal snare. And I was like, really, guy, an animal snare? How many, how many animal rescues have you had where you had to use the animal, you know, uh, the snare? And I think he was just breaking my stones, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something I would do when I was younger. But, yeah. um, so, you know, it brings me into my, into my the second piece that I want to talk about. It's the human element. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that, uh, I'm sure, when we talk about the human element in firefighting and the human condition, as I call it. And, uh, I realize that some of the things that I speak about and that I talk about around the country, it's not strategy and tactics, you know, on the fire ground. It's it's uh, brain power, strategy and tactics of the of the human, and uh, it's one of the things I'm very passionate about, and uh, I'm looking forward to to sharing that message even further. All right, great. Well, that was a great introduction, and I bring that to a close. You made a great point when it comes to the apparatus committee you're never at a shortage for volunteers. That's probably the one committee that everybody will say, oh yeah, I'll be on that, because I got a lot of stuff I want to tell you about I want on the next piece of apparatus. So, mm -hmm. and that's good. There's nothing wrong with having that interest there. As you said, you can't put every dream on the apparatus, but everybody gets to voice their opinion and what they think based on their experience or what they've read or something else they've seen. And then the, co the committee as a whole can say, all right, well, we can't put all 100 of these there, but we can sure put maybe 50 or 60 of the top ones there. And you have their input so that when they ride that first day that that piece goes into active service and they ride, they have that extra little gleam in the eye that they had a part, played a part in this new apparatus and how it's equipped and how they can use it to perform the duties on that call. It, it's all boiled down to to ownership. Exactly. And and the biggest thing that the uh, the biggest pro of having this uh, strategic vision committee is that it's a think tank, and it's not you know there you know it started out with seventeen people on the list. I had to whittle it down to about eight, and it, it truly was a think tank, and there was no rank in the room, and the one rule uh, the one rule really was that nothing that is discussed in the committee would usurp the authority for the fire chief to make the final decision. And it really was a fact finding mission for the chief to find out which way to zig or zag in, uh, in the future of our department. Because again, we were faced with some significant challenges, uh, budget challenges, manpower challenges, apparatus challenges, and, uh, it was a heavy lift, for, especially for a brand new fire chief and a lot of new fire officers, again, because of the attrition and promotions. So it, it, 
it's proved to be vital. We've been in the process for about a year, year and a half now. And um, we're actually going to have another meeting probably within the next month or so. And we're going to discuss a couple of other things. And um, it's, it's yielded some great results for us. It really that's, has. That's the most important part. You may not make every decision, but if you can start building with results, other people will catch on. They come on board, and it just grows from there, like the, the, the rolling rock, as they say. Well, it got, the, it got the conversation moving from the rumor mill, the, the kitchen table, if you will, to actually doing something about it. You know, everybody has an opinion, of course, sure. and the, the opinions are shared and some opinions are great, but there's no avenue to other than just talking to your fire chief directly or, or your, your company officer. There was there was no other way really to put your perspective. And we're going to talk about perspective in a few moments, but there's really no there was no avenue to put your perspective on things. And have that ownership and have that pride into the direction of which your organization is going towards. Because, again, in 10 years, you might be in charge. You might be the fire chief. You're going to want to have a piece of that of that pie. Right. Great point. Great point. All right, folks, we'll be right back with our guest, Captain John Dixon. We're going to be talking about more about the strategic plan and how we can use it for our departments right after these words. As always, please stay tuned. The tone sound and the dispatcher announces stations 14 and 16, working residential structure. That was all you needed to hear. You jump up from your chair, head to the engine, and climb into the jump seat. As the queue screams, you take stock of your PPE, bunker pants, check, turnout coat, check, hood, check, gloves, check, escape line, check, SCBA strapped on, you're ready. Upon arrival, you jump off the apparatus, grab the loops of the red cross lay, and head for the open front door where smoke is pouring out. You make sure your buddy's behind you. You crouch low and make your way inside. You trust the SCBA mask hanging on your tool belt. What? Stop everything. What the hell are you thinking? You see it's a working room and contents fire, and the smoke is banking down almost to the floor. Who do you think you are, Superman? One breath of that crap and the smoke will damage you in some way, guaranteed. All the soot, carbon, carcinogens, and other outgassing materials will enter your body through the pores on your unprotected face. Don't be the domino, the first person down that forces everyone else to change their tasks to take care of you. Always remember, face peace on. You have comrades depending on you and a family to go home to. Face peace on. You show up for your shift, but you're not feeling 100%. You greet your colleagues with a smile, but you just can't put your finger on it. I'll shake it off in an hour, you think to yourself. You take in a couple of nothing runs, but you're still not feeling any better. When you get back to the barn, you throw some cold water on your face and think, yeah, that's more like it, and head back to the day room. With training scheduled for after lunch, you make yourself comfortable in one of the recliners. But as you sit there, you feel ill. You start to sweat, and you feel nauseous. There's a pain in your left arm that you've never had before. Hey, guys, you call out. I'm not feeling... And your voice trills off. Your eyes close, and the darkness surrounds you. More firefighters die from cardiovascular health issues than any other reason. Don't let self-pride get in the way of taking care of yourself. See your doctor on a regular basis and be sure to advise him or her that you are a firefighter. Don't be a statistic. Be a healthy firefighter with a long career. For more information, visit the IAFF, the NVFC, or the IAFC-SHS website. 
Does your company often invest in a booth for fire rescue conferences? Have you sat there watching attendees walk right by your booth and wonder what you could do to attract more traffic? We might have an answer for you. Now you can bring the Five Alarm Task Force podcast to your booth. We'll set up our system there and record sound bites and interviews with your guests and even a mini podcast with you to promote your products or services. Now in our fourth season, Five Alarm Task Force has listeners in over 40 countries across six continents and has thousands of accesses each month. Check out our library of over 150 podcasts on our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv. Best of all, this package is surprisingly very affordable. For more information, please send an email to dalmatprod at outlook.com. We will get back to you as soon as possible. Again, that address is D-A-L-M as in Michael, A-T, P as in Peter, R-O-D, at Outlook.com. Five Alarm Task Force. We deliver news and issues for today's first responders. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force with my guest, Captain John Dixon. Uh, also goes by the name you can find him at his website, instructorjohndixon.com. Uh, he He's probably one of the most well-versed, smartest instructors that I've had, not, not necessarily on the show, but that I've met. And even though I've been out of the fire service, as I joked with him yesterday when we talked, I've been out of the service longer than he's been in the fire service. <laughs> By keeping attached to it and making it a part of my life all these years since 1985 when I got hurt, it's allowed me to read about leaders and read the trades and read articles from people from all over the country in, in the trades and see who says what and who and then I find myself leaning and when John and I first met on Twitter right away I connected because he wasn't his tweets weren't about the down and dirty and you have to do it this way you have to do it this way it was about how we as firefighters are and who we are as people before we're firefighters. And when I went to listen to him, I was able to hear part of his his presentation. I saw that in, in the way he presented it as well. He's not telling us what he wants us to learn. He's opening a portal for us to come through and acquire the knowledge. So that said, John, let's talk about what we just closed the first segment with, the concept of the human condition, please. Awesome. Well, one of the things that I like to say is, surely I can teach you how to force a door. As a fire instructor, as a fire officer, I can do that. That's that's the simplistic task. Right. So surely I can teach you how to force a door. What I'm challenging everybody to do is to force their mind and to really dig deep and figure out why is it you are a firefighter or a first responder, an EMT, a police officer? And I ask that a lot when I when I teach other fire officers. Why are you a firefighter? If you cannot answer that question within three seconds, then why are you a firefighter? Right. Maybe maybe you knew five, ten years ago. And, and you've since forgotten because of the rigmarole of, of life and the human condition, right? And, you, you know, you, you have a job if you're a volunteer firefighter and just trying to make the drills and the meetings and, and the calls. If you're a career firefighter, then, you know, you're, you're inundated with the fire service, some of us for the most part. Right. 
So why are you a firefighter? So that's question number one. But there is, there's a great dichotomy in a fire service and it's about perceived culture. And what I mean by that is it's a depth perception. Surely I have detractors and, and haters in my organization and outside of my organization. And when the fire chief asked me, what is one of the biggest threats that we're facing in our fire department? And I told him it was perception. Okay. And he goes, please elaborate. I said, if you look at the firefighters that are barking the loudest about anything and everything, it's because they don't have a depth perception outside of the organization. All of they know is what happens within the four walls of their firehouse. Mm-hmm. They they don't go out to local, regional, national conferences. They don't they don't read the trade magazines. They don't have many um, colleagues, if you will, outside of their organization. And if they do, they're they're not investigating and educating themselves. So they are in the rut. All they know is what they know. Right. And, you know, the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, you don't know what you don't know. So their perceived culture is very set in stone. I don't want to say open-minded or closed-minded. I usually don't like to use those terms because it's, you're labeling, you're stereotyping somebody, sure. right? So it's just, it's, it's their perception. Now, they're very specific to our paradigms, how we see the world and to remember that we are human first and firefighters second has helped me tremendously as a fire officer because you have to learn what motivates people. For some people that might be in money, for some people it might be education, for some people it might be, you know, the attaboys on the, you know, pats on the back all the time. So until you can find out what motivates people in your organization under your command, it's going to be hard to provide them with the necessary tools and equipment to, to succeed. And it's the classic nature versus nurture argument. Because we're human, we are going to act and consume what we are seeing and hearing around us. Right. So it's, it's tribalism at the very least. Um, clickish. And, and a firefighter will know what that means. Um, it's, it's, you know, the fire service can be very clickish. Um, but how does it get that way? Well, guess what folks? It started when you were three and four years old. That's when it started. It didn't start when you became a firefighter. Um, emotional intelligence is something that is very rarely spoken about or, or taught for that matter to firefighters or, or fire officers. And it's a combination of emotional and interpersonal competencies and, and it influences our behavior, whether we like it or not. Sure. We, we don't realize it. It's, it's how you think it's, it's interactions with others. And for the most part, firefighters are type A personalities. We're doers. We are the worker bees. We see a problem and you know, we, we put the square peg in a round hole and we'll figure out how to do it. Right. And then we pride ourselves about doing it, you know? And, uh, one of, one of the things it's, you have to remember that deep change is transformational in nature, right? right. And we, we've already spoken that the word change is a trigger word for some. It also puts us in a position where we have never been before, 
which is why it makes it uncomfortable for us, right? And as I said in the, in the first segment, this whole for them movement, it's unnatural to our human condition. We are preconditioned as human beings to be self first. That's why I can tell you when I went to boot camp, you know, many moons ago and, and tried to become a Marine, you know, a Marine, they hammer that out of you day one. It's no longer about you. It's about the team life, the team concept, because if the team fails, then the individual fails. And in the fire service, I really do wish that we, we had some of that mentality. If you look at highly, uh, high functioning organizations in high stress environments, now Dr. Gassaway talks about this right. a lot yep. and, um, he, he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this. So I know Dr. G will probably listen to this sooner, you know, sooner rather than later. And, uh, he has helped me tremendously with, with broadening my perspective on the human condition. Right? Mine, who, mine, who, mine as well. He's who better, who better than a neuroscientist, right? Right. Who also happens to be a fire chief. <laughs> so it's, we are not equipped with the tools to handle deep transformational change. And it hurts because it, it puts us in a place that we've never been before using tools that we don't have. We have to kick screen fight to learn these, um, techniques, if you will, on how to be a transformational leader and how right. to motivate people. And, Again, one of the, not to get all psychological here, but it's, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And here's a little tidbit. If, if, uh, if any psychology majors are listening to this, they'll agree with me that the triangle that you see often associated with Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a bastardization of his work. Maslow himself never put it into a triangle. And if he was to draw a graphic with it, it would probably be a circle because it's cyclical, right? So you can, you can be self-enlightened one day and then looking for physio basic physiological needs such as you know sleep, water, food, sex, the next day. It, it, there's no sequential process I, to it. I have to wait a day for the sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's great, great laugh. <laughs> So, I mean, all organizational behavior textbook have a motivation chapter and, you know, it describes the hierarchy of needs and uh, it's, it's, it's supposed to be an upward progression of those needs. Um, it's full of tips and tricks for motivating employees, but you have to look at yourself. And, and I always tell, you know, the firefighters and the fire officers, I said, you know, in the morning when you're scraping your face and look, look in yourself in the mirror before you go to work, how do you start the day? Are you of a, of a negative frame of mind, a positive frame of mind? And uh, regardless of what's going on in your personal life, you, you have to separate that from your professional life. What motivates you as a, as a fire chief, as a, as a recruit fire fighter, all the way up and down the chain of command? As a captain, I'm you know, the tour commander uh, of, my, of my station. And you know, there's 11, 12 firefighters sometimes in, in the house. And they each have their own distinct, unique personalities. You know, in the firehouse, that's okay, but on the fire ground, it's not okay. We, we all have to operate as one team. So circling back to we're human first and the human condition, in a strategic vision plan, you're dealing with humans. And they're going to have opinions, some staunchly held, some 
are wavering. How do you get them to want to put the organization first? A majority of the opinions and suggestions are going to improve or want to improve their own personal surroundings. Well, I think we should have two staff trucks instead of one. Well, why? Oh, because I'm a truck guy. Okay, great. That motivates you, but it's not going to motivate the 80 engine guys that we have. You know, how, how can we bridge the divide? And those are the, those are the topics that a strategic vision plan, it's, it is down and dirty and it is ugly in that room. There was, there was no rank. Uh, nothing was, was off the table. Nothing was taboo. And uh, again, the only thing, the only ground w- rule was that the fire chief had the final say. Tying, tying that back to the human condition is right, wrong, or indifferent. His, his decision was going to piss somebody off and you have to learn how to deal with that because it's going to go against your basic psychological needs. Right. And the biggest thing that I want to tell the listeners out there is that you don't realize that this is happening. You don't know it until it's too late. Until you get pissed off and someone says, why are you pissed off? And then you ask yourself, why am I pissed off? If you wait 10 seconds, guess what? You won't be so angry if you try to figure it out. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It, ma- it makes a, lo- a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I think probably one of the best, most important uh, traits of being a good leader is being able to, number one, doubt yourself occasionally and being able to understand the disappointment in those that you lead uh, if you if they don't get their way and instead of saying well that's tough that's the way it is you make it a point to address it with them and talk with them about it to let them get it get it out of them and once usually that's when you communicate and that's what you've been really saying all along is that once you communicate you help alleviate and mitigate that anger and upset and oh i never thought of it that way chief um i apologize i just was looking at the old school way and i never realized that this was the 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 thinking that we were going to adopt to make this response a better response for everybody for the public and for our teams and once they see that now you have another person on your side saying Okay, what's next? What can we do together next? See, a firefighter's behavior is a direct result of their personal attitude. Their personal attitude is a direct behavior of the culture that that person has been surrounded by on and off of the organization. At home, as you know, how they were growing up as a, as a, as a child, how they were growing up in high school, how they were treated in high school, college, the experiences that they had. It's it's. It's a life experience and you could see the challenges and, you know, the, this whole millennial thing, right? The millennial firefighter that they're, that they're a problem. It, it's just a new word on, on an old condition. <laughs> it's, it's really all it is. And, you know, I often talk about this a lot, you know, the older generation of firefighters, when crew resource management was brought into the industry by the FAA, because that's where it was born out of the FAA in, in, in the early 70s. When crew resource management was was starting to creep in, the older generation of firefighters saw this as a direct result of their authority. Where the younger generations of firefighters that are coming into the fire service now, 
they have been indoctrinated. Their, their perspective is to ask questions. And sometimes they could be asked in a, in a more professional manner, but they don't realize that they may be unprofessional by asking why we're doing something. So when you're communicating that from an older generation to a newer generation, the older generation is going to see it as a challenge of their authority. The newer generation is going to see it as, well, this is just an old dinosaur and doesn't understand my world. How do you bridge that divide? And 99% of the challenges, in my opinion, in any organization is communication. Absolutely. And again, that takes, that takes emotional intelligence. Now, I have a few millennial firefighters on my shift, and they ask me why all the time. And I encourage that. I want them to ask questions because that's the feedback. You know, when I'm, when I'm teaching them how to do something and they ask me a question, that's when I know if they got it or not, if they understand. You know, the, the three domains of learning, Bloom's taxonomy, you know, you have the cognitive, the effective, and the kinesthetic. And if they don't ask questions, how do I know if they're actually understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? Now, that's off the fire ground. But on the fire ground, if I tell one of my newer firefighters, hey, go pull the two and a half, I'll meet you in a Charlie side, do this, do that, and they stop and they ask me why, then we're going to have a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting after the fire. Because that's not the time to ask me why. Right. So there's, it's, it's, again, it's about timing. And I've actually had to explain that to one or two firefighters on my shift because they were doing, in fact, just that, asking me why when the timing was wrong. And when I explained it to them, I said, look, now's not the time to ask why. Now is the time to do. You have to show that you trust me to make the proper decisions as your fire officer. I mean, if I tell you to go play in traffic on the freeway, then, then obviously there's some common sense involved in that. But if I'm asking you to do a fire ground task, it's not your place to ask why right now. Get back to the firehouse. Hey, Cap, why did, why did you have me do it this way? And then I'll explain it to you. That's such a good point in, with the naming and the every generation from uh, the late 1800s has come in with new people who maybe there was a firefighter in the family. And maybe there wasn't. And they just had an interest. When I went in, I had no plans of becoming a firefighter. And when I went in, I knew nothing about firefighting other than putting water on a, on on flames. That was all I knew. I didn't know anything. I couldn't take care of a car because where I grew up outside of Boston, there was a, a service station right around the corner. So we would, my dad just say, go there. I'll leave the tab and I'll co cover it and stuff like that. So when I went in there, I didn't know anything about being a firefighter. But I found both the chief and one of the, the day caretakers were, became mentors for me and this other kid that I met back then, back in 77, who is still my best, my best friend and, and one of my business partners today, who has, he was an 18-year-old kid who didn't know squat other than he had ridden a little bit with uh, Bethesda Chevy Chase Rescue, but he had nothing else, no really other life experiences. And he was kind of a wild kid. But as we started learning together in the firehouse from both the chief and this, uh, this day guy, caretaker, who was our friend and became a, retired as a captain with the city of Greensboro fire, um, we, we kind of tuned together. And we learned what they taught us because we didn't know how to do firefighting. And we, and we could ask why in the training session but never on the fire ground. Now, I never even thought about asking either the officer or the chief, well, why, am I have to, why do I have to do that now? Why can't I do this? Instead? No. They give you an order. That I was just a peon. I was a rookie, a peon with no background. 
That's what they told me to do. That's what I did. And that's the way it should be. And nobody labeled me that I was a specific generation of a World War II vet, uh, the middle child of three. Rather, I was just a, a, a young guy who had an interest in the fire service and liked taking care of people from my experience with Red Cross. And they accepted me and I was willing to learn and they were willing to teach. And I, I ate up everything that I possibly could as they, they spent their time to, to teach us. And I think that if, if we f forget about giving names to generational people, and there are all different types of people who come into the fire service every year. And our job as existing firefighters is, you know what? One day we're going to be retiring out. So we need to make sure that we have the right people to replace us. With Even though we have years of knowledge ahead of them, they will gain that if we open the door to let them gain that. If we keep when they come and ask us in the files, hey, why do we do this? Don't bother me now. I got, I got other things to do. Then that's it. You're going to create the attitude that they did not come with. But you're going to, they'll start an attitude very quickly if you keep doing that. And you have Indeed. to be a good teacher. You have to be willing to share and, and be a mentor, uh, not every hour of every day, but share when somebody comes to you with a question and be willing to, Explain to them the whys and wherefores. Don't let the ego get in the way of that and just say, hey, come on, sit down. I'll show you how to tie this knot. It's a little bit easier than the demonstration initially showed you. I'll do it slowly and you can see that. That's the way and, to and do it. You hit, you, hit the, you hit the magic word ego, and, and ego is getting a, a bad rap uh, these days in a fire service. Dare I say ego is a good thing. It just needs to be tempered and balanced, right? And Absolutely. again, you have zero control over how others perceive your ego. So it's setting the tone, and that's the fire chief's responsibility. It all boils down to him. He is the team leader. It's the fire chief's responsibility to set the tone for his organization and expectations. And if you cannot communicate that clearly, then all that's going to happen is in, in, in the vacuum of leadership, someone's going to step up and lead. And hopefully it's a positive leadership versus a, a, a negative, and I don't mean negative, but um, a less desirable form of leadership because you are developing a culture. Culture is what people do. Right. So you are in direct control of your attitudes, your behaviors, and your cultures. How you cultivate that in your organization is the key. And then learning how to cultivate that takes a vision. And then your mission is born from your vision. Right. This is where we want to be. This is what we're going to do to get there. And then you have your values, you know, values, ethical values, you know, that, you know, thou shall not lie, steal, you know, cheat, steal, all that kind of stuff, which, you know, we've learned at a very young age, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. You know, just be kind for, you know, come on. I mean, what are we doing? The way we talk to each other, the way we interact to each other, then you wonder why you're getting an attitude when somebody gets promoted to become a fire officer and nobody wants to listen to them because it's because you were a moron. You know, the way you taught, you know, the way you talk to people for years and now all of a sudden you, you get a couple of stitches on your collar and you get a raise or you get a position, you know, in, in a volunteer organization or what have you. And now all of a sudden you beat your chest and you demand that people follow you. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. 
Not at all. No, leadership is um, something that's, uh, well, you read the article, I mean, from last year, is that I see leadership as, as a seed that we plant, just like we want to grow something in our garden, and we tend to it, and we take care of it, and we help it grow and, and grow straight and tall and and produce the, its result, whether it's a fruit or a flower. And we have to do that with the firefighters that come in at any point in time, no matter the generation. Our job as firefighters and officers first, but all firefighters together in that company, is, uh, the responsibility is to start tending to the new seeds, the new seedlings, the new people who come in, and helping them grow and teaching them the right ways, and teaching them with the right way of teaching. That's the important, as you and I both know, you can teach two ways. You can demand something from the students or you can share with the students and get their feedback. The second one is always the one that's more successful. The other word that's, um, that's a trigger word, if you will, next to change is discipline. But in, in my leadership program that I, that I uh, present, I ask people, what does discipline mean? And right away, everybody in the room, oh, it's negative. Like, you know, you're going to lose a day or lose a vacation day or lose some type of privilege or, or what have you. But the root word of discipline disciple. is disciple. To disciple is to teach, right? So positive discipline is what I call it. If you have an underperforming firefighter, what better way than to send them to a hot, a hot class, right? Sure. That's, that's their discipline. Hey, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to buy you a plane ticket and you're going to go to FDIC <laughs> for a weekend and you are going to sweat for two days and you're going to learn. And then you're going to come back and you're going to tell me what you learned. And then you're going to teach everybody else. Didn't take anything away from that person. And by the way, Tom, I'm going to give you overtime to go. So now you're giving him a, a, a little bit of a trip to the biggest conference in the country and you're going to pay him on top of it. Do you think you're going to get more of a positive reaction or a negative reaction with that? We both know what it's going to be. Uh, of course. But guess what you just did? You've just discipled that person by giving him positive, progressive discipline. Now, clearly, if this, you know, if this said firefighter is, is the, the problem child and, and you know that you know, this person won't take it seriously, then obviously that's not going to be a a huge return on investment. But everybody is so afraid of the word discipline, just like everybody is so afraid of the word change. You just have to cultivate your discipline. And again, that comes from the culture, your attitudes, your behaviors, and your cultures of yourself and your organization. Very true. And as we said, if you can avoid the bad part of the ego becoming who you are, and use the best of who you are as your ego, then people are going to come to and seek from you because they see you as a, someone who shares, who teaches, who instructs, and you're going to feed their passion to learn. Because listen, let's be honest, most people who have just joined a fire service want to learn about being a firefighter. That's why they're there. Most a lot of them come in with no knowledge other than like I did. I know put put water on on a fire, and that, most fires, and that and that's it. 
But if you sh- open your your arms to them and say, you know, this is what I can show you, uh, if you're willing to to share in time and learn with me, I'll I'll share this with you. It's all all the great leaders of this world that we know of the good the great leaders. That's how they did it. They didn't demand. They didn't force. They opened themselves to say, I'm here to teach. And whether it was it's religious leaders, political leaders, le- leaders who take care of th- the difficult parts of humanity, they all do the same thing. I want to help you. And, it, you know, the, the whole for them movement and the whole back to basics movement, and I call it a movement because there are definitely factions out there, especially on uh, social media. We're forgetting the basics of being a human. Again, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. Communicate with others as, as you want to be spoken to. Right. So it's not just about the basics of dragging hose lines and, and throwing ladders and forcing doors. That's the fireground stuff. The soft skills are going to get us in trouble more often than the technical skills. <laughs> Very Seriously. True. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great point. It's a great point because if you don't know how to communicate, then nobody's going to understand or react positively to what you're asking or saying or teaching. You have to 100%. know. You have to know how to convey the message. And that's what it's about. And guess what? It's hard. Yeah. Boy, is it ever. Boy, is it ever. All right. Well, that's great. All right. So we talked about now the concept of the vision. We talked about the idea of... of um, of the human condition. And when we come back with John, we're going to kind of wrap it up into a nice package with a bow that you can take with you and take it to the next step if you have that interest. So we'll be right back with my guest, Captain John Dixon, right after these words. Please stay tuned. You are listening to Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking, but no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave. But unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check. Change. Control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. If you've been a regular listener for the past couple of years and you know that we're coming to fall season, you know what that means. It means the Great Florida Fire School is coming back. That's right. The Great Florida Fire School will take place out in Fort Myers from October 22nd through the 26th. It's a great time. It's a very inexpensive uh, week, part of a week for you to get some great training, uh, not only from some terrific instructors, but to talk with colleagues 
from around the state and around the country who come in for this program. We have great educators. We have great instructors. There's live uh, training that's going to be done on several of the days as well. If you want to get all the details for the Great Florida Fire School, just go to their website at www.t as in tango, g as in golf, f as in foxtrot, f as in foxtrot, s, tgffs.org. Remember, not .com. It's www.tgffs, as in Sam, .org. You'll get all the information. You can register right there. The Great Florida Fire School, a great place to learn about your firematic practices and what it takes to be a firefighter today. We'll be right back. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back to this third segment of this episode of Five Alum Task Force. We've kind of cut it down to just Five Alum Task Force. That's how everybody knows us. And again, my guest today is a good friend, a great teacher and instructor in the fire service, Captain John Dixon. And we're talking about a strategic vision plan, how to create one. But not we're not talking about the steps you have to do, but we're talking about the thinking, the logic behind creating a strategic vision plan for your department and some of the things that you have to think about. If it's, if it's on a, if we're making an outline, you can picture it that way, line, the Roman numeral one is strategic vision plan. And then below that, we have to put all the little parts that have to be discussed and taught so you can create that plan as a whole. And so in this segment, John's going to help kind of tie up the some of the ends that we've talked about to bring us to the means of creating this vision plan for our department, whether it's you, or the listener right now who's listening, who's going to be charged with that, or you're going to bring it to your chief to share with him or her or an officer. That's all good. The key thing is, is that whatever you learn from this podcast, hopefully any of our podcasts, you share, whether it's with a colleague or an officer or a chief, share it, pass it forward, and we all grow together from that. So, John, if you please. All right, so the what, the why, and the how. So we covered what a strategic vision plan is. in the first segment. The second segment is why is it important? And I, I don't believe it's just important. I believe it's it's absolutely vital for an organization to have a strategic plan. So now for the final installment is how? How are you going to do this? And 
this is the part where it's a little murky, the waters, if you will, because I can't come to your organization and say, do this. You know, I have a fire behavior program that I do with a good friend of mine. And the first thing I tell people is I'm not coming into your organization and telling you how to fight a fire with your manpower and your resources, because it's just, it's not practical. You're going to do it the way you feel that you need to do it with the resources that you have. Same thing here when it comes to strategic vision plan. You might not have the desire for change or improvement in your organization. So you have to create that first. That's first and foremost. And in the actual document, there's a timing tool. Maybe the time's not right to do this. And you have to do some ancillary work to get yourself to a point where this might, you know, this might fly because you might try to bite off more than you can chew and it'll end up backfiring on you and it'll just create a lot more animosity. So timing is everything when it comes towards change and improvement. So that's one how. The other how is you do not want to stack the committee with a bunch of people who are just going to agree with everything. You want some of the naysayers, if you will, the detractors from what you think your vision might be. Why? Because it's going to bolster your argument for the need for improvement or the need for change. Right. So when you're considering your your committee, keep it keep it small. I would say, you know, ten or less because it's just it's easier to manage and lead, and make sure you have somebody. And and I say this with all due respect, some of the loudmouths in your organization, and encourage them to step up and and offer their perspective. And it's going to pay dividends one way or the other. It's either going to bolster your argument or you're going to see something from an angle that you never saw before. And it'll, again, it'll allow you to look from a different perspective. SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Have an agenda, stick to the agenda, and by all means, make sure that there's coffee <laughs> coffee and food in in the in the uh, in the committee rooms uh, have an agenda and hold to that agenda we started discussions on the hour and finished on the hour and i had to be the referee if you will because we had some pretty in-depth conversations about some of the agenda items that we were talking about and when time was up time was up because you could talk about the same thing in circle of wagons for hours sure and if you put a time limit on it, if somebody has something that they want to say, they better speak now or you know they're not going to hold their peace. They're going to say outside of the committee room. Right. And uh, for those of you who saw the movie uh, Fight Club, uh, the committee was a little bit like Fight Club. You know, you don't, <laughs> the first rule of the committee is you don't talk about the committee. And it's not because you're trying to keep secrets in the organization. But the ultimate goal of the strategic vision plan is to actually have a working document that you are going to publish Yes, put on paper and publish it in your department and to the the town's, you know, council and mayor and commissioners, what have you. You know, when you're going to publish your strategic vision plan, any member, any citizen of that city should be able to come to the fire chief's office and say, hey, can I have a copy of this? And you would be like, here you go. This is this is how your fire department is planning on serving you. And 
clearly you're not going to put, uh, you know, all the nuts and bolts in there from what was said in the committee room. You're going to clean it up and you're going to tell the citizenship what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. So <clears throat> the timing tool, creating the need for change, creating the desire for change, creating the committee, not just with yes men or yes women, um, setting an agenda, sticking to the agenda, keeping a time frame, And the biggest thing is communication, right? Because the rumor mill is crazy in the fire service. What's that old adage? You want to you want to spread a rumor? What do you do? You tell a telegraph, tell a firefighter. I don't know how to. I don't know what the. Uh, <laughs> you want to get a secret out there? Telegraph, right? tell telephone, a tell a firefighter. Right. Yeah. There you go. It's a. It's just a, a human version of the the game telephone. But uh, every time we had, we've had three uh, three committee meetings over the course of a year, and at the end there was deliverables, and that's what I that's what I deemed it. I was like, we have to have a document that is deliverable. This is, this is what we discussed in, in, you know, in a brief overview, and this is what we're going to do. And this is when we're going to do it. And there's been times where the key, you know, the chief has kind of kicked me in the rear end to say, Hey man, this is due or how you looking at it. And some people might think that's micromanagement. It's not, it's the fire chief doing his job and supervising me to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not micromanagement. Um, and then there's times where I went to my fire chief and said, hey, chief, remember you were going to do this? And uh, I'm just checking in on you. How are you making out? Do you need any help? You know, oh, man, I forgot all about that. Right. So creating deliverables and then communicating that to the organization, to the department. So at the end of this year, we are going to have uh, the working draft of our publication. And That's I'm great. sure it'll be revised and revised and revised. And um my goal is by summertime of 2020 is to actually have the final document that we can publish. So that's some of the how, uh, the nuts and bolts of the actual plan. Now, um, this past month I was down in uh, Fire Rescue International in Atlanta and I actually brought my fire chief with me and we taught uh, the strategic vision process to the executive fire officer track at Fire Rescue International. And it was a, uh, a voluntary um, delivery, if you will. Some classes, you know, people have to take for, you know, their officer development or whatever. Right. This was 100% uh, voluntary uh, presentation. There had to be over 150 fire chiefs in the room. Wow. To which I was like, oh, man, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> what the hell am I going to talk about for an hour and a half, you know? And, um, and I don't believe in death by PowerPoint uh, we, we literally had 13 slides for an hour and a half and two of them were introductory slides, <laughs> you know, but what I did take with me was my three ring two inch binder that had my strategic vision plan in it and all of the notes, all the SWOT analyses, everything that we've done. I brought the binder with me and I held it up in the middle of the room and I said to the attendees, I said, if I could tell you that the information in this book has significantly improved, changed, and altered everything in my fire department. Some negative, mostly positive. Would you believe me? And I don't think I had any nodding heads until I opened the book and I said, pass it around. 
and I passed it around the room. It didn't get all the way around the room in an hour and a half because everybody wanted to look at every freaking page right. and re- read all the notes and all that kind of stuff. I said, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, I'll put this in a Dropbox file. You can you can have it. Obviously, I'll take out you know the sensitive information and whatnot, given the nuts and bolts. But everybody just wants the how, how to do it. Because everybody wants the same thing. They want to have a vision. They're just not quite sure of how to develop it and then ultimately how to implement it. That's the hard part. Now, the human condition. Realizing that you're going to have detractors, realizing that you're going to have roadblocks, speed bumps in some of the initiatives that you are trying to implement, that is going to improve the argument. And some of the things I think as a society, we have forgotten is how to disagree agreeably. Oh boy. You think? <laughs> so one of the things is if you don't believe in my way, then you're wrong and hooray for me and F you. That's, that's kind of the sentiment that we're, that we're seeing a lot. And again, all the different cliche, you know, cliches out there, you know, if, if you're going to bring a, a problem to your supervisor, you know, you better have a solution. Otherwise you're just whining, you know? Um, same thing true holds here. And we wanted forward thinkers for the committee. Excuse me. You know what? That What you just said is very important because if you don't open yourself to a question, you stifle growth. Because somebody's asking you, they want to learn something if they're asking you a question, how, why, what. And if you don't, not willing to take a couple of moments, uh, if you can, or tell them, Great question. Let me let's get together after this thing is over, and then we'll we'll sit and talk about it. If you stifle that growth, you will never have that person on your on your side. They, they won't they won't be open to it because you already punched them out when they came to you with a you know an honest innocent question. Yeah, you're trying to create allies, not yeah, enemies. Exactly. You know, and. Um, so the the how of the strategic vision plan, and again, all of this you can just, if you want a strategic vision plan, you could just Google it. It's 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 out there for everybody to get to it. Just just Google NFFF strategic vision plan, and it'll it'll come right up, and you can download it. Um. So, the human condition. How do you deal with the human condition? Realize that there's going to be people that are going to fight tooth and nail for any change or improvement that you're going to want to make. Um, ask them why, right? Ask them, why are you so against this? What other alternatives may you, you know, have? And if that individual cannot produce results, then I'm sorry to say, but move on. You know, it's just some people are happy being miserable. Right. You know, so don't get lost in the weeds. You know, my good friend, you know, battalion chief andy starnes i love that guy if andy if i had a brother i'd want it to be him but um he's my fire service brother and uh, you know he, he always says to me he goes john he goes i'll get into the trenches with people i'll help them out but i'm not going to stay in a trench with them and you know that has resonated with me you know i give everybody the their due time and and uh, an opportunity to you know to speak their mind and their peace but at the end of the day if all they want to do is just constantly bitch then i have no time for that right and that's what the strategic vision plan eliminates because at the end of the day, it's a think tank. It's, you know, the fire chief is not making the decisions, um, 
in a vacuum. He's hearing everybody's point of view. And one of the things that we that we prided ourselves on was that every rank was represented. Mm-hmm. Firefighters, lieutenants, captains, battalions, deputies, everybody had uh, a say. Even the union leaders were involved and uh, they were, you know, kept abreast of what was going on. And um, like I said, I, I want to say it was it's been extremely positive for us in the, in the fire department. And uh, it's it's helped us make some pretty significant decisions, especially when you're talking about spending, you know, one point five million dollars on apparatus. Right. Um, you know, it, it's significantly uh, altered our delivery to our citizens. And, and in my view, I think it's positive. In others views, I think they they think it's negative only because, again, I think their perspective might be a little bit too narrow. Right. And maybe you didn't include something they had suggested. So they feel, well, then I don't, that's not, I don't own it. I have no ownership in this. So why bother with it? And maybe I even failed to communicate properly and, and sell it in a, in a better, in a better way. It could be it. We, we're human. We have the human frailties and that's what we can't forget. Uh, we can't remember everything we want to say all the time, especially when you get old like me. Um, you, you make mistakes that are innocent errors most of the time. Sometimes we make mistakes and we know what we're doing when we make them. Uh, and there's a price to pay for that as well. But if you keep yourself, as a teacher, and that's what you and I both really are, we're both, we're, we've been educators and, that, and that's what we do. If you open yourself up to what it means to be a teacher, not just in an elementary school, in your, in your profession, whatever you do, you're going to meet somebody new who comes into that profession. If you open yourself up to be a teacher, there is so much more fulfillment in the work that you do because you're bringing somebody along with you who's learning from you. And then they're saying, hey, you know what I learned the other day from from the boss? Look at this. And they just pass it on. And that's mm-hmm. one more, plus one more, plus one more. And that's, as a teacher, that's all you can ask for. Who somebody wants to learn, and then they're willing to share what they learn to somebody else that they know. That's, that's being a successful instructor. That's what it's all about. Not demanding you do this, do that, but you teach somebody. Like you said, you could show anybody how to force a door. But can do you know how to force a door with just using this tool instead of mm-hmm. this one? Because sometimes you might not have maybe that maybe that apparatus hasn't shown up. This is all you got on hand. What are you going to do now? Just say, well, I'll get you out in a minute as soon as our other truck shows up. You can't do that. You have to be ready to say, how do you do it this way? And as a rabbi, you'll understand what I'm saying. This give a man a fish, right? Exactly, exactly. So I've, in the last several years, I've gotten a little calloused and I talk about living in a me society where you're on the road and even if you're doing five miles over the speed limit, there are people just blowing by you and their thing is, I'm me. I'm more important than you. I have to go where I want to go when I want to get there. And if I have to run you off the road to do so, I'm going to do that because I'm more important than you are. I don't know you. I don't care about you. I only care about me and what I have to do. And that's sad. And that's sad. But every once in a while, that little light 
that candle is lit and somebody says, no, I got to do something to help other people. I got to help somebody else. It's not just about me. It's what I can do to me is part of what I can do to help them. Right. And that's the part that needs to be become more contagious today. I, I think that if people will, in the fire service, take a look. Um, I started to read part of it uh, over the last couple of days since we spoke. Of the um, go to the website of the NFFF. Everyone goes home, and you can, or you can just Google Vision Plan. I think they'll have those moments where the light bulbs go off, and they say, "You know, I never saw it that way before. Mm-hmm. We've always done it, but I never, just, I never looked at it from that point of view. What? A, that's a good idea." That's all you can ask for. Right. That's all you can ask for is to just pass on that one piece to somebody who's willing to say, okay, I may not know it now or I may not have done it that way before, but I'm willing. Tell me what you, give it to me. Let me know what you got and let's see. And we'll talk it out. That's what life is all about is the way I see it. 100%. And uh, it's it's a great I think it's a great idea. I think it holds a lot of promise for our fire service today. There's, there's a lot of change coming in the fire service. You know, I was privileged and very lucky that when I started the podcast, uh, two of my first two guests were Chief Dennis Rubin and Chief Bruno, may he rest in peace. And they were talking about the Wing Spread Six conference that I had never heard of before. But in talking to Chief Bruno, prior to the call, uh, Chief Chief Rubin prior to the call, and then Chief Bruno coming on board. And to think that we're three years, almost going into the fourth year since that conference. So we only have six more years to plan for the next conference. And looking at the changes that we see coming for emergency services as an umbrella, delivery system, fire, rescue, police, EMS, FEMA, everybody's involved in the wing spread six uh, plan is where, where are we going to go in those next 10 years? I think a lot of us have the question, but if we keep our eyes on the goal of the strategic of a strategic vision plan, that will give us in our department some direction, not just for today, but for the tomorrows that are going to come as well. And this won't be the last strategic vision plan that your department will write. It will hopefully be the first of many if you haven't done any yet. And every couple of years, the chief will say, hey, let's come up. Let's start working on a new strategic for the next five years, a new plan for the next five years and see what we want. Right. And and a department with direction that everybody has a voice in is a department that's heading towards success. Because everybody knows that their voice plays a role in what that department is going to do when they respond to calls and train and have public programs. Everyone's going to have a piece of that pie rather than been looking from the outside in saying, boy, I'm hungry. I sure wish I could get a slice of that. <laughs> well, I sincerely hope so. And, and uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I told you this wasn't somewhat selfish in nature because, you know, I, I do have some quite a few years left before I'm eligible for retirement. And, uh, you know, I'll never stop trying to climb the ladder. And if, if one day I should be so lucky as to become the fire chief of my organization, I, you know, I would have 
helped lay the groundwork, if you will, to to have these organizational building blocks where uh, it won't be a, such a heavy lift, you know, if it's the first time that I'm doing it when I'm sitting behind the, you know, the resolute desk in the fire chief's office. Right. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of looking at it. Well, John, again, I can't thank you enough. It's been great to have you back. Uh, your friendship is, is key to basically who I am when I do this podcast and when I teach. I had the pleasure of teaching last year and I'll be teaching again in, in next month. But it's some of the stuff is what I've learned from you in our discussions and our tweets back and forth and, and DMs. And I think you really are one of the, I'm going to say, one of the great think great thinking leaders of our fire service today because it's never been about you. Everything that you share online, social media, in your class is about who we are as a fire, as the fire culture. That's what it's always been about. And uh, from our first, uh, that first breakfast we had together at the Florida fire school, um, that's where it, it hit me right there. The way you were talking, I saw you were a teacher who says it's about who we are as an organization, not just our department, organization as firefighters and fire rescue individuals. I think, like I said, you have a, a lot of years left uh, ahead of you. Uh, I believe you're going to be making bigger impacts on both your fire department and as you continue to teach on the American Fire Service as well. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, I truly do value our friendship. And um, I'm so happy to see that your your show is, is, is taking off. And uh, I'm humbled to be asked to come back again and uh, help share the message with uh, with all your listeners. I've learned a great deal from you and, and from many others. And uh, I think you're a little too hard on yourself when you when you when you talk about, uh, you know, the uh, the distance removed from active firefighting. You you have a, a, a great, again, perspective. Think about all the people that you come in contact with and the discussions that you are having. Um, you are shaping the future of the fire service by the very nature of the work that you're performing. So um, I thank you. I commend you. And uh, again, uh, you know, you've been a great friend and a brother to me and, and uh, many great things are, are in store for both of us, I believe. Well, for, as we say, from your mouth to God's ears, that's the <laughs> best way. All right. So again, my thanks to uh, Captain John Dixon for joining us today. Of this great podcast about setting up a strategic vision for your department. I think those of you who will take a bite of this uh, little offering will see that it pays back uh, strongly uh, for your efforts. So we'll, and if, if, if yes, I may add, sure. I'm sorry. To, no. if, if anybody would like to reach out to me, I'm sure you could put my email in the show notes. That's what I was going um, to yeah. Good. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm no, that's, that's, that's what I was going to do. I, so I, I want to get the new Twitter handle. Let me make sure I get it right. <laughs> I've since taken a hiatus from social media and I came back, so I, I, I've changed it. Let me make sure that I um, I have it correct here. Oh, you can give it to me afterwards because I'll add it in. But I couldn't. I shut my phone off, so I couldn't look it up myself. It's um, it's at John Dixon two six three. John Dixon two six three, and you're also on Instagram, correct? Yes. Let me look at my phone now to see okay. what. Okay. <laughs> Stand by. Uh, let's see here. 
my Instagram handle is John Dixon underscore two six three. And then they they can reach you at the website at instructorjohndixon.com, correct? Yes, sir. And my email is right there. It's it's uh, very simple, info at instructorjohndixon.com. And if anybody would like to talk further offline about the strategic vision plan, please reach out, shoot me an email. Um, I can help navigate through the process. I can, you know, give you some of the things that we've actually done. Um, I highly, I highly encourage that you consider doing such an exercise for your, for your fire department or whatever organization that you, that you may be a part of. But um, I would love to share some of the down and dirty tidbits with you. So just reach out and I'd be happy to share it with you. That's great. All right, folks, we'll be right back right after these words. Please stay tuned. It just slows me down. It's too hard to do it and put my gear on. I'm not comfortable. I'm a big guy. I can't do it. I'm just not comfortable wearing it. You gotta be kidding me. Real firefighters don't need them. Come on, there's no way I can wear my SCBA and my seatbelt at the same time. Yes, we've heard all the excuses, but we can think of at least one good reason why you should buckle up. Can't you? Be a hero to those who mean the most to you. Buckle up. A message from the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. You're ready to call it a night. The kids are tucked in, the lights are out, and the dog's in the den. Seems all is calm. But stop, it's not all right. To keep you and your family safe in the event of a fire, we're advising you to close before you doze. Close your bedroom doors when you go to sleep. Why? Because closed doors dramatically decrease heat and carbon monoxide levels, which provide trapped occupants more time for help to arrive. And closed doors can slow the spread of the fire, increase oxygen levels, and decrease temperatures dramatically. You've invested in smoke and carbon monoxide alarms. You've practiced fire escape plans with your family. Now learn another important way to protect all of you. Close before you doze. Also remember, if you are able to escape, make sure the last one out closes the main door. Remember, close before you doze. This message is brought to you by the UL Firefighter Safety Research Institute, closebeforeyoudoze.org, your local fire department, and this podcaster. If you enjoy listening to Five Alarm Task Force, then why not share the news? No, not just on social media, but around town. We've just opened our little shop of wonders with our friends at Teespring. We have four t-shirts available, each with our four-color logo on the front, and on the back, your choice of a listener, supporter, or responder wording, or choose the tea with the words of wisdom from our good friend, Chief Robert Fling, all available in varied colors. Prefer to add a new mug for your collection at the firehouse or at home? We have two, with the full title of the podcast in slightly different fonts, also in several colors. The best part? No matter which items you choose, you'll know that a portion of the net proceeds will be donated to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, just as I did with my book, Fish Out of Water, Two Jewish Guys in a Deep South Firehouse, available on Amazon. Want to browse? Want to buy? Just head over to bit.ly forward slash Dalmat store with a capital D and a capital S or dial up our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv and select the podcast promo tab. As always, thank you for listening and stay safe. Hi, this is Steve. If you are a regular listener to the show, you're well aware that one of the most important discussions that we have been having over the past uh, several months uh, has been the dangers that we face 
from when we respond to accidents on active emergencies on active roadways. And it's not just fire people. It's all first responders. That's fire, EMS, law enforcement, the uh, recovery operators, tow truck operators, and the safety rangers. We have all seen, unfortunately, far too many serious injuries and deaths in the line of duty by distracted drivers. So a lot of people ask, and we've said this on a couple of the podcasts, a great discussion podcast that we had with Chief Goldfeder, Chief Solar, uh, and a couple of others as well about this issue. And we talked about there is an organization in the country called the Cumberland Valley Volunteers Firemen's Association. And they have created a terrific website. They just received another FEMA grant, thankfully. It's at respondersafety.com. And while there are all manners of courses that you can take online for free at respondersafety.com, they have created a course also on how we have to combat distracted driving. Uh, not our distracted driving as much as distracted driving of other drivers when we're on those emergency scenes. We've seen it all too often. People are using their phones, they're looking at the maps, et cetera, et cetera, and they're not paying attention. And we've seen everything from small little sports cars all the way up to 18-wheel semis go crashing through the scene, crashing through a blocking apparatus, totaling that apparatus, injuring or killing the people the rescue, the first responders in that area, etc. So on respondersafety.com and one of the founders of that, uh, Steve Austin, a friend of the show, he's been a, a guest on uh, with us before. And on this website, they have these courses and you can take a course for free that you, you can share it with your department, uh, whatever, on the some of the best advice we can get, our experts can give to all of us regarding how to block our areas when we're on emergency emergencies on active roadways. And by the way, please don't confuse an active roadway with a, you know an eight-lane interstate only. An active roadway can be a two-lane road, rural road, where there's an accident on one side and the other side's going to get tied up. You need to protect yourselves and the victims of these emergencies. And the only way we can do it is by knowing what we have to do on our side to then affect that change by the drivers who are coming past us on these calls. So, again, the website is respondersafety.com. Please make it a point to at least go over there, take a look at the modules there. You can register for free, by the way. You can get the newsletters, the uh, the. Uh, Cumberland Valley Volunteer Firemen Association just sent out an email uh, over this weekend about their next their fall meeting coming up in lower in Southern Maryland. So you can find out about that. There is going to be Marine training, uh, rescue training uh, at that event. So you may want to look into that as well. So please, respondersafety.com, a great site by the Cumberland Valley Volunteer Fire, Fire, Firefighters Association. And you take a course on how to combat what we feel is an attack on us through distracted drivers when we're on scenes of emergencies of uh, unactive roadways. It's very important. Uh, sadly, we have lost far too many people, good people, great people, and volunteers all, 
uh, in the last eight months, almost a year now, um, that it's really taken such a very, very serious uh, turn. And thankfully, we have, uh, besides the CVVFA, I'm sorry, CVVFA, right, Um, uh, Chief Billy Goldfeder had been working with Wayland, and they have other people from Respond to Safety now working with Wayland, Wayland uh, Emergency Lights, and the other manufacturers of lights and sirens are now looking into software adaptations that might change the levels of the lights based on how we're active. In other words, when we put our apparatus in gear and we're going down the road, we'll have the lights will look one way. When we're parked on the side doing a block, they'll be in another way. You set the emergency brake or something else, they can maybe go another way. Plus, Chief Goldfeder and some of the people he spoke with had the great idea of creating a convoy that goes onto the roadway at one time. So all the first responders stage just before you get to the main part of the roadway, and then you come come on as a convoy, slowly moving to the left, forcing the wedge, being a flying wedge, so to speak, to help force motorists out of our way, out of our area, and into a specific lane or two to get past the emergency. All this is from great people in the fire service and rescue service who are working to save more lives, both of our victims and our first responders. Just be aware when you're on scene, always be aware. Situational awareness, as Chief Gasway talks about, is so important, situational awareness. When we're on these scenes, we must be situationally aware. If we're not, we're ready to throw the dice, and that's what we don't want to do. So we hope you'll uh, take a visit over to respondtosafety.com, take a couple of the courses over there, and then share that with your department and your officers. Very important. And you know what? That's my view. We'll be right back right after these words. Please stay tuned. Every year, over a million fires burn in America. Fortunately, firefighters are on the job, saving life and property, and you can be a part of it. Seven out of 10 firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Your community needs you. Are you ready to answer the call? Learn more and find local volunteer opportunities at makemeafirefighter.org. And that wraps this episode of Five Alarm Task Force. We'd like to thank our guest, Captain John Dixon, for joining us to discuss setting up a strategic vision plan for your department. Did you know you can now find us and subscribe to us on all the top podcast platforms? Just search for Five Alarm Task Force. We also want to thank our sponsors, Insight Training LLC and the Firehouse Tribune, and our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, and our new partner, LifeScan Wellness Centers, Nesta Bars, the Firefighter Kansas Foundation, the Firefighter Kansas Support Network, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. If you'd like to be a guest with us or have a suggestion for a show, please drop us a line to dalmatprod at outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at dalmatprod or at cause underscore origin and on Facebook at forward slash dalmatprod or forward slash dalmatprodfire and stay up to date with all the news about our podcast, Dalmatian Productions, and our blog on our website, www.dalmatianproductions.tv. I'm Steve Green. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, And let's make sure everyone goes home.